Welcome. <laughs> Welcome back everyone to Love's Labour's Watch, your favourite pop culture podcast, which I say every time, and it's working, and we enjoy it. It's our intro now, it's official. There we go. Yeah, well we're so excited to be back again, um, and we've got a really exciting interview this week, which we're absolutely mm-hmm. buzzing about, yeah. and we can't wait to get right into. I'm sure you've all been watching and absolutely loving Normal People, the BBC adaptation of the Sally Rooney novel that set the world on fire everybody absolutely adored it and really resonated with the central love story um this mm-hmm. bbc adaptation premiered uh last week i think yes um, in the uk and the on, us yeah it's on in hulu in the us um and we were so honored to be able to speak to the director uh, or the co-director actually who did the first six yeah. episodes uh, lenny abrahamson mm. so you'll probably know lenny from his work on the movie room which is an adaptation of the Emma O'Donoghue novel about a woman who is kept in captivity um, and has a son while living in captivity. And it's about the relationship between her and her son um, and how they kind of escape from this horrific circumstance. This movie was praised at the time. Lenny's direction was really held up as being really magical and really making the movie so great. He was Oscar nominated for it, but he's also known for work including The Little Stranger, an adaptation of the novel by Sarah Waters, the movie Frank with Michael Fassbender, where he wears the giant paper mache head. He hails from Ireland, like Sally Rooney, the author of Normal People, um, and a lot of his work does sort of draw upon um, the Irish landscape uh, in a kind of interesting contemporary way, which he talks to us about actually in this interview. I know I definitely agree, and you know, for and speak, while speaking to us, you know, he's incredibly insightful, um, and but also he, we found him. I personally found him really easy to talk to. His ideas were very accessible, you know, and he was really happy to chat about his filmmaking, pr- filmmaking, cinematography. I don't know what would you call it, entertainment making. Uh, process perhaps you know he's not just a filmmaker so it definitely seems a very good fit for the show um and um it was you know his insight is so interesting especially as for us who are fans of the show and of the book and um to go into that quickly if any of you haven't have heard of normal people but you haven't watched it or read the book um and you're like this is a huge thing everyone's probably heard of it but what is it um essentially normal people is the story of two young irish people Connell and Marianne, who grew up in a small town in County Sligo, which is in the northwest of um, Ireland, the Irish Republic of Ireland. Um, And it's about them kind of embarking on a relationship in school, even though they're quite different people, you might say, from different backgrounds, and embarking on this relationship kind of, and how their relationship changes through their time as in school and their time at university and also how those places and the people they meet um, shape them. And um, Sally Rooney herself, as we've said just earlier, is um, uh, she's Irish, she's a graduate of Trinity University Dublin, so um, the place where her characters go to uni and experience life is similar to hers. Um, and you know, she has been so popular. I mean, her first book was Conversations with Friends, similar Irish background, but sort of slightly older characters dealing with human relationships. Again, Conversation with Friends was so popular and Normal People has itself kind of set, you know, the literary world afire and most people have either heard of it or read it. So if you actually haven't heard of Normal People or you haven't read it or seen it, we'd really, really recommend giving it a go because it is itself. Um, Sally Rooney's writing is highly, like, it's, I don't know, I'd have to describe it. It's just like so, 
it's maybe it's just so important or it's such a great voice that it's really interesting to read maybe that's what I would say about it to start with yeah I think it's incredibly perceptive um about emotional experiences and connection and the way in which people behave Mm -hmm. um and she also has this kind of myopic focus on her central characters which means that you as the reader feel very close and very intimate with them and feel as though you either are them or you know them or they're a close friend Um, and that I think Lenny Abrahamson really manages to translate super well on screen Mm -hmm. which I think for a lot of people that was probably their hesitation when it came to the adaptation when they first heard about it like they had like how do you translate this like very interior very personal Mm. novel Mm. a novel that a lot of people have really related to how do you translate that onto tv yeah Um, and I think he did an incredible job with that Uh, alongside as you say the actors the the central pair um Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Mescal Mm. Paul Mescal is his first like tv role and he's obviously incredible Daisy Edgar Jones you might know from Cold Feet um and War of the Worlds the BBC adaptation last year so she's like maybe a bit more well-known yeah but they're both essentially kind of newcomers really um and they perfectly embody these characters i don't know about you but i sort of felt like i felt like they were real and i was eavesdropping on their lives yeah which i think is probably <laughs> the feeling you have in the book as well yeah, so absolutely but um before we keep going and uh what reveal all the details yeah. that uh, lenny hopefully will reveal in better clarity um just to say uh normal people is uh, now available on bbc iplayer um, it's uh, it's all available, so you can watch all of it. And as we said, it is available on Hulu in the States as well. So if you'd like to watch it, that is where you can watch it. But uh, um, should we embark off with our interview with Lenny? Yeah, let's go. And also as a heads up, I don't feel like we give any major spoilers in the interview. So mm-hmm. I feel like you could watch it even if you or listen, sorry, even if you haven't watched yet. So enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. much for coming on the show Lenny Um, it's such an honour to have you here um, and so exciting to speak to you about normal people first off we just wanted to ask you um, what attracted you to the project in the first place Um, were you a fan of the novel by Sally Rooney and what made you think it would work well on the screen and specifically on the the small screen on TV Um, how did that all come together Um, I actually got to read it before it was uh, published because uh, it was sent out to some producers I suppose that there was already quite a lot of anticipation about it because her first novel conversations with friends had been um, successful and so, so everybody was watching out for the second one. Mm. And uh, Ed Guiney, who works, uh, I work really closely with in Element Pictures in Dublin, um, he was one of the people that got a copy and he shared it with me because he thought I'd like it and I really did. So uh, I think t- what, it's so hard, there's so many elements to, to the kind of, that accumulate to make you at least me feel that something is is right for me but i just was very moved ultimately very moved by the novel very um struck by how how sally writes and she writes with this incredible directness and clarity Mm. which manages to break open kind of sequences and ideas and scenes and relationships which you've maybe seen before but how how she does it sort of gives this sense of insight and intimacy um, in, in the reader's relationship to the characters. And actually intimacy also, of course, be- between the characters and that the way she uh, like gave the reader a, a real sense of the kind of density and like scale of the gravity of the relationship between the two of them. While they're living kind of 
late teenage lives and full of the usual anxieties and the usual kinds of um you know struggles that people have to make sense of themselves at that age suddenly into their lives drops this really weighty um thing that is the the, the quality of their relationship and I, so so uh, i was also drawn to the fact that um it's a positive depiction in lots in, in not all of the novel but in much of the novel very positive depiction of yeah of young love and of intimacy and of of uh and of that generation you know it takes that generation very seriously it doesn't patronize them um and, and of course it's relevant to everybody who's ever been at that point in life and i was also uh you know felt that the way i like to work and the way i shoot kind of chimes with sally's style uh, yeah, a whole bunch of things really made me sort of say, yes, I'd like to do it. And then we obviously had to go and persuade everybody that we were yeah. able to do it. But that was the first step. Yeah. And were there any, you know, obviously, yeah, you're right, definitely in saying that normal people and conversations with friends have both really, I found, resonated with people. Um, and obviously they're very popular kind of globally. Um, were there any aspects of taking the first TV adaptation of a Sally Rooney novel. Um, it's so iconic and her characters are so kind of beloved and people really resonate and kind of identify mm. with them. Were there any aspects of adapting that for TV that were challenging in the first in the first in uh, the first moments or daunting? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I when we when we took it on, it hadn't become the thing that it would become. So, yeah. you know, it was really while we were working on it and particularly like choosing it it was just suddenly it became this absolute um, monster of a book and everywhere I went you just see people reading it and I think at some there are points there where you go gosh there's quite a there will be expectations around this and people clearly really love it but we were working with Sally also she was uh, one of the central writers of the adaptation and she was a um, an exec producer on it um, and that I think having that her presence there meant that, I don't know, it just, it felt like what we were doing was really honorable and very true to the novel. Um, and, and I think once I'd found Daisy and Paul, the two actors and mm. watched, watching them together, it felt sort of undeniable to me that this was a really um, powerful and uh, truthful sort of version. So, so uh, never, I didn't lose any sleep anyway. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of reasons to lose sleep, but there's lots of things that can go wrong. Right? But like mm -hmm. worrying about whether people would um, hate it, uh, in you know, or, or or think of it as a terrible travesty in terms of their their love of the novel, I didn't didn't worry too much about that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and I think as you mentioned, it is obviously a very collaborative project. Um, you share directing duties with Hetty McDonald. Sally Rooney is obviously a huge part of the of the process and worked on the script. You also had script writers Alice Birch and Marco Rowe working as well. Um, plus, you have this amazing cast and brilliant crew who you've assembled. So, what was that experience like with all of you bringing your ideas to the table and and working together? Well, it's something that, that I love. I really love that part of the process. I love, especially early on when everything is possible and um, you know before you're into the nitty gritty of really shooting. There's a, a glorious sort of phase where where you can just think and and share ideas and, and we work in a very collaborative way and I worked very closely with some really brilliant people um, like Emma Norton and Chelsea Morgan Hoffman, people within that element who are real, you know, 
the key collaborators for me as well as Ed Gurney, the producer, and and Sally and Alice. You know, so it's a brilliant gang of of people to have. And then as you start to shoot, that broadens out into. Um, I worked with a brilliant uh, cinematographer called Susie Lavelle, and she is central to it. And you know, every yeah. So I I, I like I work in a pretty collaborative way. I mean, I. I, I know that I have the final say mm. and that means I feel comfortable to take ideas from everywhere and, and do what I think is best for the for the show and there is an energy that you get from from that kind of open communication and it also I think brings people brings the best out of people because if people feel they're being listened to and that their contribution is valued it just encourages I don't know a deeper sort of engagement um, and then with with the second block um, so Hetty is a very established and very excellent director, and we wanted to make sure that whoever came to do the second block would feel that they could put, you know, sort of, uh, I suppose, express themselves yeah. and, and their own aesthetic would become become involved. And really, I just shared everything that I'd done with Hetty to make everything I'd shot mm. available to her to see and trusted that she would never do anything that would sort of break open the series but at the same time she would you know bring her own sensibility to it yeah absolutely and um you know obviously it is was quite important i imagine for sally rooney's kind of original prose and the dialogue particularly between her characters to kind of remain there in some ways um was it sort of and was it kind of what was it like kind of adapting her prose to uh, a tv series um, it actually, I mean, I think her prose adapts very, in, in certain sense, very well because um, it's not a book which is full of dialogue by any means, but mm. the dialogue is excellent. And it's also um, characters do, they have very distinct um, voices. Her, her, the two, these two characters have very distinct voices. And, and even where there isn't dialogue, there are descriptions of conversations that were had, yeah. you know which we would then flesh out or there are sometimes things like you know a description of them going to the beach which we then mm. turn into a scene which is doesn't exist in the book but is still inspired by something in the book yeah i mean every adaptation is an odd process in that um there's no one way of doing it and and you find some things translate quite directly and other things you have to find ways of reworking them to make sense on screen but and so we we did take some of the interior descriptions you know of how people were feeling uh, and work way work out work out ways to create sequences and scenes that kind of express that in a, in, a, in an accessible way for people watching but it, it like uh, just huge huge credit to Sally and and to Alice and to Mark you know it, it, we all worked together and gave huge amounts of feedback and uh, and were involved in shaping it but at the same time the the adaptations are kind of fundamental. The, the the script, the adapted script, is so fundamental, and they they really own that. Yeah, yeah, and and as you say, a lot of the novel is about the interior lives of the main characters, um, and often what's unsaid is as important as what's said. Um, in your adaptation, I feel as though that interiority is sort of translates to close up shots of, um, you know, the, the characters' faces, or there's one scene um where. Connell was really discomforted in the middle of a seminar and you sort of close in on his ear and you can see his ear kind yeah. of getting more, more red. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Are those the kind of ways that you do try to translate that kind of interiority on screen? Yes, that, that, that's dead right. I mean, <laughs> there are kind of 
lots of different ways. For me, it's sometimes about being really close, but not straight, uh, you know, not straight on, like not, not in the position, not in the most mm. revealing angle. Mm. Because I think it, it makes you feel as a viewer that you're nearly with the person, but that, that you need to do some work to kind of, like you need to focus your attention or, or kind of sharpen your, 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 your attention. And that somehow that, that experience for a viewer leads to, I don't know, it, it, it creates a possibility for a kind of emotional charge. It's hard to describe, but so quite often there are characters that are shot sort of a little bit from around the side or the back so that you kind of have to think your way into them. Mm. And then there are these very big close-ups that are, that, that sort of say there is something to be seen here if you watch closely and that turns on your attention in some way, you know? Like, mm. I, I often think there's a difference between uh, drama, which is presented in a fully revealed form, you know, these are the shots that will tell you the story most vividly, versus my way of working, which is to somehow not allow that complete clarity. Because I think what you discover for yourself in that suggestive sort of environment is more, is more affecting than if you're sort of handed the meaning. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess a parallel or an opposite of that is, you know, is aside from you know, there's that clarity, those moments of real sort of pinpoint vision of a character and how they're feeling. And then there's also this, you know, there are times where your direction kind of turns quite hazy or ethereal. Mm. You know, there's times with, particularly with Connell, when he's trying to sort of... Um, he's trying to associate with people such as at school or with his housemates at Trinity mm -hmm. when, you know, his world becomes quite hazy and, you know, yeah. sounds become very unclear. Um, you know, and yes. that makes us feel as if he's there in person, but not really there. And, you know, obviously disassociation becomes a big problem for him. Um, yes, you're right. How yeah. to ca capture that disassociation is something yeah. that we've talked about. And it has to be done really subtly, I think, because if you do it to, if, you know, like in old-fashioned filmmaking you had a dream sequence and it goes all wobbly and then yeah. you're kind of you know this is supposed to be inside the character's head then it that doesn't have any power but so you have to mm -hmm. sort of feel the disassociation without being told that that's what the sequence means and mm. for us it was a slightly looser style not listening specifically to what people say more that the fact that they're speaking you mm -hmm. know yeah so pushing the sound back a bit um uh, just creating textures and mood with the lights and yeah telling the story in a different sort of way and that that is effective i think and it does because that's so much about that's so much to do with what is going on for connell and particularly as the, the series goes on mm. yeah and i suppose it also sort of really brings to the fore how much marianne is someone he can pay attention to um, and the stillness and the scenes between them, you know, we were also quite struck by the scenes when they're talking to one another about their past and how still the camera can be when the camera when the you know the yeah. character is feeling something yeah i mean it is interesting you know that there are these key scenes where they speak very candidly to each other um i'm not sure if you've watched all of it or or a chunk of it but there's a scene in episode five where mm -hmm. they finally discuss the the sort of elephant in the room the fact that he treated her so badly in mm -hmm. in sligo and you know they have this big conversation and and it's it's very straightforward they she asked him, um, you know, he asked her to her friends, you know, what happened. She asked him, did he ever consider asking her to the to the devs yeah. at prom? 
um, he apologizes. And and it's, you know, on paper, you'd think, well, there's not a lot of drama there because it's it's all, you know, nobody's hiding anything or but it's so charged and the stillness between them and the and the sort of detail in the performances meant that I think it's one of the most powerful uh, scenes that a certain kind of thing is dealt with and you feel everything after that is about them getting back together and mm. you know it's, it is it is interesting there that we shot in a very paired back kind of way mm. and it, giving it time and and creating just Susie's lighting is beautiful there as well so yeah there are all these different moments but the moments I probably enjoyed shooting the most were the ones where they are really just tuned into each other that was there was such a special connection yeah in, between the characters but also such a great creative connection between Paul and Daisy and the performing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are also some really, um, there are some really kind of striking symbolic visual cues in the series. Uh, I think the one that really stuck with me in the first episode was when um, Connell reaches a fork in the road and he's debating which way to turn. He takes one road and then he reverses and takes the other road. Uh, how do you approach those kind of signpost moments and, and what do you hope viewers take from them? Well, I mean, I suppose with that, with that, you know, what's what's written down there is, yeah, I think we we decided to do a scene where he sort of passes a turn and changes his mind. I can't remember mm. if that's in the novel. It might be, um, and it's in a way very on the nose, you mm. know. Um, but it's also we don't do it very often. I think you can do it occasionally, where there's a very graphic representation of of you know of somebody's interior, and like fork in yeah. the road is you know it's it's a it's a phrase in itself. So. Um, I think it, you know, you, if you do it delicately enough, you're allowed to do it. So there are sort of a few places where, where that happens. Or there's another place which is not a metaphor of any kind, but just after after they uh, Connell watches Marianne dance in episode three, mm. and she walks back up and she stands beside him, and there's a shot of their hands, and you see his hand move a kind of millimeter, and you think, oh please. Uh, hold her hand and then he doesn't and that's a very simple way of just dealing with that moment in a in a shot mm -hmm. which isn't about anybody's acting just mm. something very very simple yeah and um i think you know there are these signpost scenes and you know we've talked about like the stillness and then how that contrasts with moments where there's a lot going on but you know the character themselves is sort of very disassociated from it i think I've definitely seen that people have been commenting on the music in the show. There's been a couple of playlists yeah. I've seen of people putting together the music so, you know, people could experience the music after seeing the show. Um, and the silence is quite telling, but also so is the, the times where the music is involved. What was it like sort of pairing those scenes with the music that's kind of become slightly iconic from the show? Um, you know, so there's a whole load of things happen in post-production where you start to add, you know, shape and sometimes reshape things or, or use material in a way that you hadn't anticipated and mm. I work with a really brilliant director called Nathan Nugent and Nathan will f frequently do something that I haven't planned you know I plan it to go together in a certain way and he'll come up with a very clever and you know he'll turn it on its head and it's, I'm always open to that and in the process of doing that you find the places where you need these pauses now sometimes they're built into the writing already and you've planned for them or they're built into the shooting where you think now i'm going to need to breathe there and mm. i'm going to let it sit and sometimes those areas are you need them after very intense passages because there's a kind of sense that you need that what you just watched to kind of reverberate in some space mm. um 
and and that's when you build those sequences and often music is really useful there and um it's amazing how charged a track can become when there is that kind of um strong emotional um hangover from what you've just watched yeah that, and i and I, I i talk about it a bit like you know you create all this extraordinary um flow of, of like this sort of juicy emotional thing and then it's like you need to mop that up you need somewhere to let that sit and be experienced and so that's what music is 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 really good to give you that slight distance to feel your way through what you've just um what you've just watched and in the choosing of the music uh, it's sort of some trial and error and um so we, we also work with two great music supervisors um uh, Juliet uh, Martin and, and um, Maggie Phillips and mm. so they would create playlists for us to listen to <clears throat> and then myself and Nathan would also be listening to music and then other producers would throw tracks at us and go I don't know it just, just feels like it's part of our world and as you go and you start and you're editing you start to try different things and see what they do and you gra gradually get a sort of a sense of what the apart from the compositional work which is brilliantly done by Stephen Rennicks you start to build up a feeling for what the tracks should do. Mm. And, you know, I I was listening to, I just felt also worth listening to a lot of contemporary Irish um, people who are just some amazing people out there. So quite a few of the tracks you're listening to are by Irish singer-songwriters. Um, yeah. And then there are bigger tracks like Imogen Heap and, um, and, 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 all, and, and people like that. And there's a Dylan song in there and all sorts. But it feels like it's in this world of the kind of melancholy, but still beautiful um i don't know that's the mood and yeah and, and quite a lot of acoustic stuff but then some electronic as well so you just it, there's lots of ways of going and you just have to kind of play yeah absolutely yeah and, and it's interesting you know you mentioned there about bringing some contemporary irish musicians to the fore um the setting of the novel is obviously hugely important um and You've got the contrast between the small town that Connell and Marianne are from to Trinity College, where they studied and where we know that you studied as well. Um, how did you work to make these Irish landscapes and settings part of the storytelling? I mean, one thing I tried to do is just um, get, you know, extract all of the previous kind of any cliches that hang around uh, about mm particular places so mm. the Irish rural landscape has been you know kind of mythologized and shot and made exquisitely beautiful and become a kind of cliche and all that so we, we shot it in quite a kind of I think contemporary way you know and that was important to me just that yeah. we didn't do beauty shots for their own sake they always felt like it was grounded and, and built into reality um, and then just we thought it was interesting if you're moving from like the small town to the big city it's for connell um the city is oddly constraining and um, even though it's it's this bigger landscape it's not actually visually sligo is much more open mm. whereas for marianne sligo is kind of constraining even though it's so wide open and trinity is and dublin are more expansive and so you think a little right. bit about that and about how you kind of visualize their two worlds without becoming overtly symbolic and, or overtly kind of, you know, not, you don't want to build a code because that it just becomes kind of a bit dead, but, but mm. being aware of that. Um, and then, you know, because I went to Trinity and uh, know the place quite well, sometimes there's a risk in that because you have to remember, you have to 
learn how to forget the things that you know and yeah. others don't because if if you don't you kind of you smuggle this stuff in that feels something it feels like this to you because you have a special relationship to it mm. but i did i do have like i did put in some things that just personally gratifying like i put connell in the same i did that same exam the scholarship exam and i studied at the desk that i put him at and oh wow uh, <laughs> in that library like albeit 30 years ago yeah and mm. um, you know uh, like I remember that feeling of walking across the squares and, and, and particularly there's these red brick buildings where Marianne and Connell meet um, for the first time after they get to Dublin. And it's almost night, but it isn't quite. And I lived in those red brick buildings and I um, remember the intense beauty of those um, evenings. And, ha and just to be able to do that was just lovely. You know, yeah. it was it was such a lovely thing to you don't get to represent phases of your life very you know who who gets to do that so it's a really really lovely thing mm. to be able to do yeah I think that that's great definitely I felt that as, as I mean obviously I we did not go to Trinity Dublin but I think there's a universality there and um you know uni nights uh, you know and the the, yes. the party setting and the outside and, and the inside and I think um it, it's definitely comes through as well the kind of the, the love that I think you know, a lot of people who went to Trinity and certainly I think Connell and Marianne as characters kind of the love they feel, maybe feel for Trinity or for Dublin as a place where they live and a place yes. where, you know, they have experiences. I mean, what was it like sort of as somebody who went to Trinity, you know, a while ago and is now representing sort of perhaps a, what the modern uni experience is? And I know that normal yeah. people, people really feel it does encapsulate what the millennial uni experience is like. How was that yeah. adapting that? Well, I think I had to be just careful that I wasn't smuggling in, you know, very dated ideas of what college life is like. Because my first feeling was it's really similar. Yeah. You know, I think that's always true, isn't it? Like, you know, things do change radically. Yeah. And, in, and and uh, looking at it slightly differently, they don't really change much at all. Yeah. And so, mm. you know, being 19 or 20 is pretty much as, as it's always been. Um, we were definitely not as, I think... I think the generation that generation now is, I don't know, emotionally mature. I feel and more and more kind of better equipped. Hmm. Like I felt really hopeful reading the novel, in a way, because I think we can get convinced that everything's going downhill or something. You know, that's hmm. kind of that, that narrative is so built in. Um, but actually, I feel working with the young cast as well it was just really inspiring because they're all such amazing, thinking, kind, and you know, good people. Um, but I think I was just very aware of, of making sure that I wasn't um, representing the college experience as I remembered it um, and did talk to a lot of talk to Sally, talk to lots of people yeah. that were working with us who were closer in age to um, the characters. And that was really helpful. And um, the funny thing that you notice is just I think what you would notice if you went back in time would be. Apart from the fact that everybody looks ridiculous, you know, in their <laughs> 80s clothes, yeah, is you just notice like the really sort of clear things like no disabled access, no, um, you know, like um, no no health and safety stuff, no mm. exit signs, no locks on the outside doors, just a slightly more wild west, yeah, quality to how people operate it, you know, right, um, but actually everything else feels like it's. It's yeah, the same, and that's something reassuring about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think the same was true of like the high school scenes as well. Um, you know, it, watching 
those sort of scenes play out, you think, oh, in some ways, there are some elements of school life that do feel as though they're always kind of the same and the way people fall into those cliques and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that um, we were also really struck by um, is the, the intimacy between the two characters and how you create that and how the focus is always on Marianne and Connell. You know, the secondary characters are given room to breathe as well in a way that actually I really enjoyed and felt they almost had more space to breathe than they did in the novel. But that said, Marianne and Connell remain central. Um, how did you work with the actors to create this sort of relationship that feels very lived in? Um, did you have a long rehearsal period? And how, how was that for, for both you and your, your central actress? Um, so I, I did spend a lot of time with them, uh, especially, well, more time with Paul because he was cast much earlier. Mm. Um, mm. He came quite quickly in the process to our brilliant casting director, Louise Kylie, knew of his work and on stage and brought, he self-taped and we just fell in love with him and thought he's probably our Connell yeah. from the beginning. And then it's harder to find Marianne because you, you're not just casting the character, you're also casting the couple then, you know, you, you fixed right. one part, you need to get the other yeah. part to fit. And and so when we find, found Daisy, it was like a couple of months after that. But and then but it, through the process of auditioning um, coming back for callbacks, reading the two of them together um, and all the fittings and stuff that just happens, he's kind of building up a rapport and talking about the novel, talking about the screenplays sharing drafts with them, getting their feedback. It's a long process of kind of building towards them and then trying to get the two of them comfortable with each other and, you know, uh, spending time with each other. And uh, and then there is a formal rehearsal process, but that I don't over rehearse. It's it's on and off over about a week and a half, mm. an afternoon, a morning, uh, you know, a talk, another morning. And actually you're, you're trying to get the thing to be alive, but not over, over sort of specified. Mm. But I think the main way you achieve it is 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 casting really brilliant people and and then helping them by providing a kind of mirror for them that can you know where you know like from the outside you just notice things and you can see where there are bumps or choices that might be different and and then it's just kind of and if it's something I think the biggest job for a director is if it's not quite working it's not letting that go you mm, know yeah not right. not giving up and not saying yeah no i think that's good you know doing the opposite of going there's something missing here and not sure what it is and there are ways of saying that that don't freak everybody out yeah you know you can say it in a way where it's really matter of fact and it's really inviting a kind of a leap past that yeah. obstacle and when you it's really satisfying when that works and you get to the you get to a scene which is really you know acres better than than it than it might have been mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously there's, you know, there's, there's twists and turns in the uh, process of adapting any anything that, you know, was previously, even if it was previously a novel, previously something mm -hmm. else. Um, you know, how did you feel that your experience adapting normal people for TV and making it, that, that its format compares with mm -hmm. adapting other books, you know, such as Room by Emma, Emma Donoghue, which became a film or The Little Stranger? Yes. Kind of what differences yeah. do you see there? I think... There are fewer differences than there would have been, you know, even 10 years ago. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the, the landscape has really changed and television, far from being the kind of broad medium that it was, particularly in terms of streaming services and everything, but not mm. necessarily. It just it, it now allows for kind of specificity and 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 margin like you can talk to smaller groups of people as your core 
audience and and yet it can and it can grow out of that you know there isn't the same demand for one size fits all sort of programming yeah and that means that i worked in a very similar way i didn't i wasn't aware of kind of in any way uh you know not dumbing down or if that's the right word but but you know i wasn't i I tried to get to the very best place that i could as i would have in a film and the difference i suppose is just in how the how it's structured like we when we read the novel we felt very much it was television because it's very episodic it Mm -hmm. takes place over a longish time and also there's no sort of grand central event you know there's it, it would be very difficult i think to make um uh, you know that it, 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 it it's very difficult to um to to tell us such a, an apparently slight story mm. um in a movie mm-hmm. without it being consigned to the absolute art house margins mm-hmm. um and whereas on television we were kind of encouraged to be as truthful as specific as we possibly could be yeah in the belief that that would in a way mark it out so i i i felt um the television context allowed for like a lot more screen time than you would get in a film. Yeah. Allowed you to go into real detail, and going with half hours or sometimes less, like varies between about twenty-two minutes and about thirty-four minutes. Yeah. Um, but going with those short episodes keeps it very pure, and means you don't have to get into sort of complicated plot to sustain um, the the narrative. You know, yeah, you can absolutely. really just concentrate on the two characters. Yeah. Yeah, I also think it it means that the sort of little regular everyday moments whether that's you know the Debs or um the moving to university process or whatever it is that becomes the the focus and the absolute most important thing of each each episode which I think is very similar to how you experience those moments in real life especially when you're young you know that like going to the dance is the most important thing and you know so I think that works really well exactly yeah like that's that's precisely it you know um, how do you get into a level of kind of like concentration and detail where for an audience, some tiny thing about whether somebody looked at you or spoke to you and at school is as big as the biggest drama. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And on the sort of talking about adaptation, you're actually set to adapt another Sally Rooney novel, Conversations with Friends. Uh, how is that process is developing? Um, is there anything you can tell us about that uh, sort of sneak peek? And are there any challenges that um, that book entails that normal people doesn't? I mean, it's, there's a lot of similarities between the two books, but they're also quite different. Yeah, I think the challenge is for it not to be feel like normal people season two. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, because if normal people... It, like it, it seems like people like it and um and so it will have a life you know and it'll be a thing that people will talk about and um inevitably you know we ch- we we don't we there's no plans to sort of follow marianne and connell any further this is the story and and it's mm. the, it feels like the right place to stop that's yeah. why sally stopped there in the novel mm-hmm. um and and conversations with friends you know you could think of it in that sort of you know fargo-esque way where each season is about a different story but they're all under the same yeah heading you know and i don't think we don't want to do that we want to do something which feels different so i think the right. challenge with with conversations is to find what its unique um flavor should be yeah and, and where we are right now is it's it's commissioned and we are working on scripts with a really talented bunch of writers led again by alice birch which is fabulous and um so drafts of that are due in and We'll just be working away, trying to build a, a very strong um, 
you know, world and, and, and idea. It's a very different novel. It's quite, you know, in how it flows, it's different. And there are obviously connections, deep connections, because it's Sally, but, but there are differences as well. So we, we hope to be ready to do it, but, you know, who knows when we're going to get out of yeah. the <laughs> situation to be able to get together on a set. You know, it's really hard to know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess, um, you know, coming to a close here, our, our final question, you've kind of led us quite neatly into it is, you know, we've been doing some interviews in this sort of, you know, lockdown isolation yeah. setting. And we've been asking people sort of what their tips would be on embracing creativity at this time. There's been a lot of talk of, you know, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during a plague. So, so could during you? During a plague, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's a tough. <laughs> That's a pretty high bar. I know. So obviously, <laughs> obviously, we're not demanding yeah, that of so people. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you have any tips for that? I mean, it's funny because it's been because this because we finish normal people by the skin of our teeth before lockdown, mm. and in fact, like there was some work, quite a bit of work that had to be done remotely after that. So I was going straight into just working at my desk, and then it came out, and I've been doing press for like two weeks it feels like pretty yeah. much all day every day yeah. wow. and right. uh, i know which is amazing that hasn't <laughs> happened since that hasn't happened since room you know um well room was now like nearly six months of that which was just insane yeah but, yeah um but the thing is uh so i haven't had those days where i've just gone oh god here i am and i don't have anything to do i actually wish i did because i have a writing project which i want to get into but i, I think what i would say to people is you probably also have to give yourself a break because it is not a normal s circumstance mm. and there is a kind of anxiety underlying it you know it's not it's not the same as having a being on a writer's retreat or anything there is this kind of there's a reason mm. why we're all stuck inside um but i don't think i can advise anybody about creativity and i really like uh, because I, because it is such an odd thing and everybody who writes or does anything is usually in some form of struggle with them mm. um, with their own work so god knows except don't give up and keep doing things because nothing ever happens if you stop i mean that's the only it's yeah. incredibly boring advice <laughs> it's actually the best advice because you know that's what most people or a lot of people do they just stop yeah no that's great i think um you know simple easy to follow and not too you don't want to exactly yeah you like, don't you so don't, don't get into yourself. complicated diets just don't eat too much that's yeah really <laughs> Absolutely. Which is advice I, I am not taking at the moment, so I might add. <laughs> oh, well, brilliant. Thank you so much for talking to us, Lenny. Um, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's so great. We always love getting some insight from the you know, great directors, writers, uh, people who do the things that we love. So thank you so much. Pleasure and um, best of luck and stay safe. Yeah, you too. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, um, as you can hopefully tell, we had an absolutely fantastic time talking to Lenny. Uh, so insightful. We got some great answers to um, the questions that we had for him. So thanks again to Lenny for talking to us. Um, it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was so fun. It was so great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was always, it was so fun being able to ask these quite specific questions about moments in the series that had resonated with us um, and those sort of like directorial choices that he'd made. Um, and, it was really nice to hear that clearly like the sort of vision he had and the things that he wanted people to pick up on clearly both of us had picked up on and really enjoyed and appreciated um and i, I think as we were saying like the way that he managed is um alongside obviously the the script writing he manages to kind of bring you in so in, into that relationship between connell and marianne and that intensity without it ever feeling 
it never feels cliched or or hackneyed or it always feels so emotionally true and actually that's something that really struck me in the book because I remember when I first heard the plot of normal people thinking oh that's a that's a plot that we often see in film and literature don't we of like two characters who meet it's a bit like one day or something you know they meet when they're young and then they have that kind of like push and pull of like being quite clearly meant for one another we as the reader or audience think but not quite managing to get there for all these different stumbling blocks along the way i think what makes normal people special is that it takes that quote-unquote normal circumstance um or common trope almost of um well they won't they would be star-crossed lovers thing and like plants it in this very like emotional this emotional truth yeah no i definitely agree um normal people for me it's a really interesting one um because i think that like i, I love conversations with friends um yeah. first novel which obviously it's a bit more um ad- adult the characters don't start at school they start at university i believe yeah um, and it's about basically this woman at university she and her friend become close with a couple and then she the woman kind of becomes involved with the husband and it's kind of pictures a menage a trois novel but actually it's not it's more like how does this extramarital affair work over a number of number of years as the woman central character finds herself um and i feel like that novel i assume normal people would kind of be similar but actually normal people mm. was quite different i think yes same setting same world you might say um and also uh, kind of similar characters and that's led by kind of literary Englishy young women but um, yeah. I think definitely normal people and the way it deals with like emotional trauma um, and with kind of mental health and also with the kind of trauma of growing up in today's world and um, things like that are things that like I kind of was shocked by actually and I'm, you know, in French school, Tess, I'm somebody who didn't actually join the normal people hype to begin with. Not because I don't think that Sally Reed is a fantastic author or I don't think the themes are true and real and honest. I just, like, was slightly shocked that, perhaps maybe shocked that, like, this could be some people's experience, perhaps. Or Sally Rooney viewed what Marianne and Connell go through in the book, which in some ways is quite, de- not depressing, but quite dark. Um, mm. uh, I, I She viewed that as something that, like, normal people go through perhaps that's what it is so um certainly um normal people is one of those things that was extra hyped and so of course um the show has been talked about i've seen it everywhere like absolutely everywhere everyone's been talking about it it's been all over the news um and you know it's interesting to get his perspective on a show which for him as he said in the interview he picked up and decided to be a part of before it even became an international phenomenon. You know, he said in the interview, didn't he, he picked up the book and decided to work on it before it really saw all its success. Yeah, that was interesting um, because obviously, you know, as you said, Conversations with Friends was also very popular, but I think normal people did go on to this whole other level. Um, So it is, yeah, it's interesting that that he never knew it was perhaps going to be quite the juggernaut that it is. Um, Obviously, because of that, it was... The, the show was very hyped, as you say. Um, and I know um, it's interesting for anyone who's interested in listening to more Normal People Chat, we did also record a Patreon bonus content with a bunch of our friends yes. who are all mm-hmm. um, book-loving girls. <laughs> but also... Yeah. Um, some of <laughs> we are, book-loving girls. <laughs> I was like, that's the best way to describe them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but some of, some of them um, had... A lot, most of them had read the book, but a couple of them hadn't. And they said they were actually a bit 
almost like put off by that hype and like how does something live mm. up to that hype and also yeah. the, the title normal people you know how you interpret that title if if you think it is going to be like this is everybody's experience i think that is actually quite off-putting as, as with anything mm. yeah and it, that's interesting yeah. too because i don't think sally rooney ever intended the book to be I mean, I think that title's deliberately enigmatic. I don't think she ever intended it to be like, this is everyone's experience. And instead yeah. she's kind of, that's often, um, I feel like that is almost often said about her work and that like, oh, it's very millennial. It's very, this is like, I think like when she was first big, she kept being called Salinger for the Snapchat generation. And it's like that those kind of um, publishing sort of marketing techniques, you completely understand yeah. where they're coming from. But I feel like for some people that could be quite off-putting. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it is a really good adaptation. And I, I personally think that like a lot of people would enjoy yes. it. I don't think you have to be of Sally Rooney's um, generation to appreciate that or to relate to parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, so to quickly go on to the show, just, um, you know, briefly before we move on to other things, um, we did want to discuss it, obviously, because we've both been watching it over the past few weeks uh, or week actually it's only been out for a actually been out for about 10 days about 10 days now coming on 10 days isn't it yeah more or less yeah yeah so i mean one of the i think one of the big things about normal people um aside from sort of the stuff that the directorial stuff we talked about with with lenny and then the sort of book show comparisons we talked about in our patreon content um another of the things that's been really coming out about normal people is the main characters marianne and connell as portrayed by these actors of uh, daisy and paul um and obviously lenny spoke to us about how paul was attached to the project com- from quite early on yeah and then marianne it took them quite a long time to find daisy because of the character the, ca- the um, connection she had to have with Paul and also she had to kind of embody Marianne who is a, quite a specific character overall actually yeah um, yeah and we kind of wanted to chat about sort of their portrayals um, and kind of their uh, the work they put in as actors um, so I just wanted to sort of throw a question to you Francesca mm. um, you know how do you think the casting choice impacts the show you know what do Daisy and Paul actually bring in terms of um, recreating Connell and Marianne yeah, I mean, I think their casting is hugely important because mm-hmm. they are such fo- the focus all the time. Mm. The empathy that you have to feel with those characters, even when you don't understand their decisions, you maybe even don't like approve of their decisions and feel like they're sort of self-destructing or self-destructing their relationship. Um, despite all of that, you're always with them and they're the focus. So I think it was so important to get those characters right. Um and of course, not least because they were characters that had already been created and, and beloved by so many people um, in their minds. You know, like they have this idea of what they should be like. Yeah. Um, also, of course, the chemistry between them is so integral as well in that you have to believe that they have this long lasting connection that's based, you know, in in friendship as much as anything else and a, a sort mm-hmm. of mutual understanding where they don't, which they don't have with anyone else. I mean, that's even a line in the show, isn't it? Where I think she says like, oh, it's not like this with anyone else. Yeah, she does. Yeah. So I thought they were both pitch perfect. You know, Daisy Edgar Jones is, uh, I think she's she's got a Northern Irish mother and a Scottish father, um, and obviously is, is playing an Irish teenager and young woman. Obviously, I can't speak to whether her accent was good because I'm not Irish myself, but um, for me, it felt like a very authentic performance. Um, I very much believed when she was... 17 18 year old teenager who's who's quite outcast at school um, and doesn't fit in but also knows her own mind and knows what she wants out of life or at least thinks she does 
Um, and I very much felt that she embodied that. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was reading the book, there was like a the, one of the early scenes. She first meets Connell um, through her her a family connection, which means he's often coming to her house. His mother is her family's cleaner, which is a sort of underlines a, mm-hmm. a class division in the book, which is also discussed. But it means that he's coming around to her house after school. There's a description of her sitting on the kitchen table or sitting sitting on the cabinet and like swinging her legs and um you know she's got her like tie unbuttoned and it's like that kind of moment when you come back from school and you sort of start taking your school uniform off and but you sort of half have it on half don't um but anyway I felt like she really kind of portrayed those sort of vulnerable moments of like seeming quite young and seeming like a teenager Mm. but then later on she's able to portray a character who goes to university and is trying to kind of recreate herself trying to be more sophisticated or um you know it's quite a complex role as you say and there's also a lot of emotional trauma underlying that which we won't go too much into because it's a bit of a spoiler but like there's there's a lot going on and I think she really brought that to the fore um what I felt like with Paul Meskell's performance was that it it actually really grew on me I mean obviously he's like a a very like good looking guy which was always helpful um but he's also um very well that fits very well for Connell yeah. you know that he's supposed to be somebody who's quite charismatic who people are drawn to but he's also quite withdrawn and quite quiet and kind of self-contained which means as a character I think it takes a little mm. bit longer to get to know him mm. and get to kind of get inside his head um and I, I feel like that um happens mm. over the course of the episodes I know you said that you started to really kind of connect to him once he goes to Trinity yeah, and I think true. I felt that too I felt as though oh we're kind of seeing the vulnerable side of him and then that only becomes more apparent over the course of the series. I thought they were absolutely wonderful and it's not surprising that they're both being heralded as like new stars of the future. It must be very weird for them to be experiencing that at the moment where like they can't kind of go to like fancy parties and premieres and all that sort of thing that stars usually do but um yeah I'm sure like uh, there's a great future lights ahead for both of them Mm -hmm. absolutely I I agree and I think for me I mean um that 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 relationship between um book and and book and tv or film screen adaptation is is quite interesting and and sometimes fraught I mean um, we're going to discuss the upcoming Twilight announcement in the next in the next (laughs) section of the show but I mean obviously the relationship between the Twilight books and the Twilight films is meant to be so close because obviously Stephanie Mayer worked as a producer on the films as well Um, but equally they take on new life Um, and I feel like now we're at a point obviously with Twilight for example where like there are people who've watched the films never read the books will never intend to read them so obviously the show with normal people it's going to have that same effect you know it's yeah. going to take on new life and it's going to represent things perhaps that the book didn't represent or it's going to deliver messages in a way the book the book didn't. Um, and uh, I think that's a really interesting thing for me as, as well. Like, um, I, I, I normal people... Um, and it's interesting, one of the people we talked to on, um, on one, of our, one of our book club friends we spoke to um, on um, Zoom the other day, she agreed, you know, she said she actually read the book and was kind of like, not mildly, mildly confused, maybe, like she came out of it being like, I don't know, like, it wasn't what she expected. Um, and it yeah. also wasn't precisely what she would have liked either, perhaps. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I feel like that happened to me too. Um, I read the book and I was a bit, not disappointed as such. I was just a bit shook, maybe. I was a bit like, this is not what I thought it would be. And I did not enjoy it for reasons I thought I would enjoy it. It was not like a touching portrayal of young love. Yes, also a lot more than that. And I think normal people, the series, what it gave to me and what I really began to enjoy about it is that 
it personifies the book in a way that perhaps it's e slightly easier to grapple, right? And I was kind of able to take what I learned from the book and be like, right, okay, here at the, at the show shows it in this way. Ah, oh, I think I'm starting to get a better sense of what I kind of thought about it. And I came out of it actually really interestingly from the show, so far of the show that I've watched. Again, really um, identifying with Connell's journey and it has a lot to do with Paul. And equally, Marianne is not a character I really ever empathise with. I found her journey to be quite difficult to deal with and I'm not going to spoil anything but her, her as her life goes on through uni it becomes like darker and darker and you're a bit like oh god how could it get any worse and then it kind of does and the way she thinks about herself is quite hard to handle so being able to take a step back and to see her from the outside of it more in the show and to watch her kind of gives you a bit of a relief from that and then for me it helps me to understand her better like she just becomes more than just like a a smart girl with issues she's more like a smart person with issues that i actually want to see her go through rather than kind of feeling like she keeps making these she kept in the book i thought she kept making decisions and i was like please stop making these decisions Ugh. um you know but overwhelmingly i think also it's like characters are not meant to be liked it's no criticism of a book if i don't like its characters um i'm also well known for being impatient when it comes to a book so i will zoom through hoping for a happy ending and when it doesn't happen i get annoyed so i think also a great thing about sally rooney's work is it doesn't encourage me to like any of the characters she writes about and the reality and the realness of the work that she does and how that's translated into normal people and universally people have kind of said that they feel like normal people is a very like honest portrayal of the lives of marianne and connell I very much agree that I think the book and the TV adaptation have a very like symbiotic relationship. I think they pair really well together and bring out different elements of the story. It's interesting because there's that idea that you maybe feel like, I don't know, maybe you're often searching for relatability in characters when the characters are a similar age to you and are um, the book is set in the contemporary present day. Um, but yeah. I actually think that the, it feels much more that the, the show invites you to empathise with them, not because maybe you've had the exact same experiences, but just because they it, they present their stories in a very candid and in, intimate way. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting about the dialogue because um, I felt like the dialogue in the show felt very realistic. Um, I do know what you mean, that sometimes mm. a, a criticism or even just a... a a, maybe not criticism like just a, a, point. a point that's yeah. often made about Sally Rooney's writing is that the characters are very intelligent and they speak in an intelligent and thoughtful way all the time our, most of our conversations don't necessarily have that same level of gravitas but I think in the show yeah. when yeah. people say those things sometimes they sound a bit pretentious and they're supposed to you know like um, we were talking about in our in our Patreon chat mm. with our other friends we were talking about how Rooney house parties are very bougie and everybody's like drinking their red wine and like having their nice meal and obviously there might be moments like that at university but maybe that's not like a sort of regular it's certainly not the experience that Helena and I really had <laughs> like um out me excuse me yeah. <laughs> no but like obviously but we did have lots of like you would it is definitely true that at university you have lots of kind of like political and 
cultural discussions and that's an exciting thing but I felt like in some of those moments with Marianne's friends it felt as though they were trying to kind of like perform adulthood and perform their idea of what university should be and that was definitely realistic I I, you know we all have like had those moments or know people who have those moments absolutely no so I mean if that's not uh if that's not a glowing recommendation to at least give normal people a go um if you want to read the book or if you want to watch the series um you know uh we absolutely I think it's it's so worth watching you know even if it's not entirely your thing it's very worth giving it a go because it's very intelligently made intelligently written and then intelligently acted um as well and of course if you want to chat to us about normal people of course you can um you can connect with us on our twitter real llw on our instagram love labors watched or uh, by email uh, as well we accept emails if you want to email us which is love's labors watched please email us which is uh love's labors watched at gmail.com but yeah um we're gonna probably pop on to talking about midnight sun um but uh equally thank you so much lenny for talking to us Well, certainly for you, obviously, the highlight of this week was Midnight Sun. So I feel like without further ado, I should just like hand the floor over and you should just A, tell the viewers what on earth Midnight Sun is, because some people probably have no idea. (laughs) And also give a bit of context as to why this was in, why this made your week. Yeah, well, um, recently I've been really interested in astronomy. No, that's absolutely not what's (laughs) been happening. So, um, I mean, a lot of stuff's been happening in the past week. um, And uh, so... Essentially, um, I came across this news actually yesterday or maybe the day before that a timer had appeared on Stephanie Mayer's website. Stephanie Mayer, the author of Twilight and the other books um, and several other books as well, um, that she put a countdown timer on her website. Everyone was like, ooh, what's going on? All the Twilight fans came right out of their holes and were like, we're all here. What's going on? Honestly, you think Twilight's dead. And then all the fans turn up and you're like, aha, they're still here. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a massive Twilight fan. Um, hugely formative for me in my t- early te- early to late teen years. I was a fan fiction writer, watched all the films, have posters, all that stuff. I also very much acknowledge prob- the problematic nature of Twilight and also that I am now an adult so I don't read Twilight all the time, but I do still enjoy the films. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend actually had a rewatch of the Twilight films a few months ago, and obviously it was like wholly bad and good in the same 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 measure. Um, so basically, Stephanie Mayer's countdown has revealed that she has finally finished and is going to um, publish Midnight Sun, which is basically a long-awaited um, sequel to Twilight in some ways, and that it's basically Twilight written from the perspective of um, Edward. So the whole story is the same, obviously. Um, she recently did like a, a gender bent version of Twilight, which obviously is a bit different because it has the characters' genders are different, even if the story isn't wholly different. So this is literally Twilight from Edward's perspective. Um, she's actually, interestingly, been writing it for a long time. I do remember this actually quite well because um, she it got leaked an early draft of Midnight Sun got leaked about 10, 12 years ago now in 2008. 12 chapters of it got released onto the internet and Stephanie Mayer responded by posting those, uh, at least some of the chapters onto her website as a PDF and saying, this has happened, here is what I've got, Um, please leave me alone now, I guess. Um, But I think that episode really kind of 
stopped her from wanting to write the book um, for whatever reason they're her own. Um, so it turns out she's been working on it still for the last 12 years and it's coming. Apparently it's like 600 pages long. So, and she says, right, God, it's ridiculous. She says, it's longer than Twilight, by I think it's like twice as long actually now I think about it because wow. Edward tends to overthink everything and you're just like oh no oh no oh god it's three, it's it's twice as long because it's just double the amount of overthinking and there was already a lot of overthinking in Twilight to start with um so yeah. the news has been going around honestly like um several people have spoken about it the book club has been on the book club I've talked about several of my friends um and uh, yeah, I tried to pretend to myself that for about five minutes that I wasn't A, interested, B, going to read it, C, going to think about it a lot. And actually, I mean, it's funny, actually, how um, I heard the news and I was like, yep, I'm excited. Yep, I'm probably going to read it. To be honest with you, I still kind of love Edward Cullen. To be honest with you, I'm not over Twilight. I'll probably never be over Twilight. Um, and it's, it's, and it's great. I was talking to my friend about this, who's also a Twilight fan. We both decided that we thought Twilight was problematic yes but not for reasons of being dangerous and that it's it's a women it's something enjoyed by women written by women so therefore men like to dump on it and be mean about it so that's where the whole twilight bashing thing kind of maybe comes from and she also was like it was, it was we were also talking about how on twitter all of like these twilight fans who are all in their 20s i'm also going to point out as far as i've seen so far have come out of the woodwork with their books or and have been like i'm so ready oh i'm so excited or like you know uh, being like me 12 year old me this is happening you didn't think this would happen but it's happening now so for me the whole announcement has been very like fun you know like i probably will read yeah. it it's a good bit of fun and also it's like it's, it's it's for me it doesn't feel so much as if it's really targeted at any getting any new twilight fans because let's be honest with you i don't think twilight would really resonate with young people in the way that it did for us um maybe i'm wrong maybe some twihards who are 15 can chime in here and tell me i'm completely wrong but i do kind of think it's a very like people in their 20s and 30s remember twilight very fondly and perhaps it has more resonance with them than it does with young people today i just don't think it's really can take vampires aren't that popular anymore um but so that's why i think it doesn't seem to me to be so motivated by let's get another twilight book out but more stephanie mayer being like my fans will love it so let's do it you know what i mean yeah so yeah i'm super jazzed if that long-winded explanation didn't make it clear that I'm Yeah, jealous. no, it's interesting, actually, what you say about, like, whether teens today like it. And, like, as, like, yeah, obviously, we don't really know. Like, we don't know any teens. No. Um, but, I, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> we don't know any teens. I feel like... <laughs> Out us. Total oldies. I feel like, um, it, it... I don't know if Twilight kicked it off as such, but, obviously, when we were teenagers, the massive YA fiction theme was, like, kind of dystopia and uh, yeah. a bit of magic, a bit of, like, mystic, mystical romance, like, often, like, yeah, for- forbidden sure. romance that has some dystopian stuff going on, like The Hunger Games, and it's not the, quite the same thing, but yeah. it's sort of a similar vibe. Um, mm. And it, I feel like that has very much gone out of vogue. Um, and, like, do you remember that series Divergent, the one with um, Shailene yes. Woodley? Didn't that kind of, yeah. they had the first film, was, like, this big juggernaut that they were hoping was going to be the next twilight or the next um hunger games and then the last movie i think just got like released like straight to streaming you know um so it is quite interesting how things sort of move on but 
you know, I, I guess, as you say, like so many people of our generation would have like a lot of love and a lot of time for Twilight. And then there's also the, the, the origin story is super interesting in terms of that thing of her leaking it. Because I remember that too, or not her leaking it, it being leaked. Um, because when I yeah. read, when I, I only like vaguely saw this hashtag and like basically I just saw Helena tweeting about it a lot. And I was like, what's happening? Um, but I, I was like, I swear that already happened. I swear she already published that. And obviously that must have been what mm. I was thinking of. Um, yeah. But I, I think, um, was it you who said this or was it Faye, our friend who was often mentioned on the podcast, about how okay. um, Robert Patterson was going to have to deal with all these questions? Uh, that was me. Yeah, about, about um, you know, about Midnight Sun over yeah. the next like, year or whatever. Although, so when is she releasing it? Is it upcoming? August. Oh, okay. August 4th. Right. Um, well, I do think you're right in that respect. Like, you know, Rob Pattinson's finally got his career on track. He just appeared in The Lighthouse. He's going to be the new Batman. Then Stephanie Meyer comes out of the woodwork like, woo, Edward's come <laughs> to haunt you again. You know, this poor guy who, honestly, I mean, to poor, be honest, yeah. poor man. I mean, honestly, I will say, like, Ed, I definitely don't think that I need to give Rob Pattinson any creds for enduring the Twilight series, given the fact that it catapulted him to stardom. But... Still, I don't think he's going to really enjoy being asked anything about the Twilight series now that Edward Cullen has a book back. You know, it's yeah. like, what? Because he's not Edward. You know, he would never say he was. And equally, like, Edward is not a person perhaps he ever wanted to be, actually. So <laughs> I do feel sorry for him but in that respect. It's, it's interesting because obviously we were talking about adaptation earlier, obviously, of like quite a different book. But there is definitely a similarity between normal people and Twilight, I think you could say. Yeah. Certainly, insofar as like people you know hugely feel this connection with this central romance um for different reasons obviously but so i feel like um inevitably when people are reading midnight sun they're going to picture rob patterson as edward cullen um and i guess yeah for him it is kind of unfortunate that you can't ever like you know um extricate yourself from that particularly um it's it's interesting in terms of like i think there's an element to which at the moment during these weird uncertain times any kind of like hint of like nostalgia or kind of calling you back to a piece of pop culture you loved a few years ago in like what you sort of think of as perhaps a happier time i think is is really endearing and really um exciting whether that's twilight or um anything else i mean i watched the parks and recreation special Mm. that came out last week um which was the cast of the nbc um show parks and rec coming back together to film this kind of like socially distanced like zoom special which was set during the current times and leslie and co were all like connecting via the internet um and it was just like so sweet and so fun and like i actually thought it struck a really good chord of like referencing kind of what's going on and being sort of topical um but also harking back to all your favorite jokes and favorite moments from the series like obviously little sebastian featured um his memory anyway Um, and just like a whole bunch of other things like i thought they did a really good job with it it was very Mm. sweet and very fun um but obviously we were all really excited for it partly because of that sort of circumstance and i think stephanie mayer i mean maybe she has literally been working on midnight sun for like 12 years like who knows um but she has certainly picked a good time to bring it out just because i think She she has got that audience of people who are like, oh yeah, I, I mean, even like, I don't think I would normally read it, but I can sort of imagine that I might if I was, like, if things were still <laughs> as they are. If I went on about it long enough. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I don't think I could actually face it. I have, I've read all the books, um, 
obviously. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we could argue that like Twilight impacted me in a way that it didn't impact a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, like I mean, it was funny. Like we were talking about this to um, talking about this to obviously to you, our friend Faye, and our friend Catherine, who um, featured in a recent bonus Patreon piece of content. Blah 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 blah. Um, so you know our little chat where we chat about general things, and obviously I announced Midnight Sun's coming, guys. And the first thing Catherine says is, "Did you write this? Is that what yeah. you've been doing, basically?" Yeah, we have this whole <laughs> theory that Helena is like Stephanie Mayer's ghostwriter, and she's been writing it. So I could do my it. theory was Honestly. that Stephanie. Um, stumbled across Helena's Tumblr from like 2010 and was like yes she's, she's the one perfect you know? she could do it honestly I'm not going to tell any of you what the actual username is but I have more than I think 200,000 words of Twilight based fanfiction on my um, fanfiction.net site I wrote like I wrote two very two multi-chapter stories about Bella and Edward going to college in New York. So there were no vampires, it was just like them, but in New York college. I wrote another maybe at least 30 chapter piece that was like Pride and Prejudice basically, but um, Twilight. <laughs> and honestly, I was famous on fanfiction for a while. Like I, w- I had like loads of followers and people reviewed my stuff and like things like that. Every now and again, I get like a story like from fan fiction, I get an email about it, and I'm like, ooh, fun. Obviously, I haven't touched it in at least eight years at this point, but I was mildly famous for Twilight fan fiction. Uh, yeah, obviously, I, I don't know how big it'll be. I don't imagine that they'll, there'll be a huge thing about it, but um, I intend to read it and then to maybe find some Twilight support groups. Twilight's obviously had a huge impact <laughs> on, on, on me as a person, so how can I escape that? But yeah, phew. All right, well, I mean, uh, you know, Twilight overtook this podcast in a way that I definitely anticipated it would. Ha- it would. It would. So um, if, you have, if anyone has any thoughts about this, please let us know. I'll plug our Twitter and Instagram again, which is um, Twitter is real LLW. Our Instagram is uh, loves labors watched. And our Gmail is loves labors watched at gmail.com. If you have anything you want to chat to us about, um, please do. And also, um, as you may already know, if you've been listening to us for the last few weeks, we have started a Patreon um, solely to as a place for our bonus content, for anything actually that we do, and as a way to sort of grow our community grow ourselves as a show um and to sort of have a bit more fun with that i suppose so if you're interested we're releasing um, some bonus content this week all about normal people as we said it is a recording of a zoom call that we had with a bunch of our book club friends talking about kind of our experiences watching the show and our thoughts it gets slightly scandalous (laughs) But you know what good what good bonus content doesn't. Um, so please uh, go on find us at Patreon.com/slash/LovesLabelsWatch if you're interested in accessing that. Um, we have two tiers at the minute. The first tier gives you access to all our bonus audio content. The second gives you access to some more kind of personal interaction um, with us as a show, uh, taking recommendations from you, shouting out anything you want us to talk about things like that. Um, we also have some other bonus content up there at the minute. We have some extra Nisha Donan content and also a lovely chat with our lovely friend Catherine about Phantom of the Opera and Love Never Dies and our take on that, which again is suitably bonkers to be honest with you. So, <laughs> But um, all shout outs said and done, um, I believe that is the end for us this week. Yeah, thanks so much again for tuning in. And we just want to add another great big thank you to Lenny Abrahamson for taking the time to talk yeah. to us in such great depth um, and with such uh, great insight into his show, Normal People. Um, it was so great. So, 
yeah thanks so much yeah we'll see you in a few weeks for yet another episode um featuring some more very interesting content we can guarantee that um until then um we'll see you bye